Hey everybody, did you know that we're on Instagram? Follow us at The Refill Podcast. Also, please like, follow, subscribe, and leave a comment so that this ministry can grow and impact more people for the kingdom. All right, cue the music. Thanks for coming back to Get Your Refill. Now, this episode is jam-packed with content, and so I'm going to try to just go right into it. We're going to be working through Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. It says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands... Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water, excuse me, with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband." Now, this is one of those passages in scripture that is, I don't want to say overused because, you know, you can't overuse God's word, but it's for sure used very, very often. It's a very familiar passage. And I personally think that this passage is just absolutely beautiful. It shows off God's amazing design of marriage and it has just this beautiful symbolism. But I have a sneaky suspicion that this verse may not be this way for everybody. In fact, it might be the opposite for you you read or you hear this passage and you kind of start to twitch a little bit. You see, unfortunately, this passage is very easily misinterpreted, especially from the pulpit. And if it's being taught wrong, then it's being applied wrong, which means that there are some husbands and wives who believe that they're living in a biblical marriage, but they're actually working against the Bible. And this is the reason I wanted to work through this passage, because you should be in awe of God after reading this. You should be a proponent for biblical marriage after hearing this. Now, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. You don't have to get married. That's not what I'm saying. But you should be able to see the beauty of the design of a godly marriage. And that's just not happening. You know, as I said, it's being misinterpreted and it's being communicated incorrectly. For instance, I'm going to read to you a blog post uh, from a woman who recounts what her church has taught her regarding this exact scripture. She says, my church encourages wives to submit to husbands in everything, except if the husband asks them to sin. That means if there are decisions to be made, the wife can give her views, but the husband has the right to make the final decision. Husbands are called to lead their wives. Wives who do not submit are called rebellious with the spirit of Jezebel. And she goes on. I've also found that this teaching can lead to abuse. Sometimes husbands are not overtly abusive or manipulative, but when they are given the right and authority to make a decision in every matter, can this not lead to abuse? For example, I know of my close friend also in the church 
who has to ask for permission to buy a handbag. If the husband says no, then she doesn't buy one, even though she is working and has her own money. The same wife has to put up with inconsiderate in-laws in her home on a frequent basis as the in-laws drop in for a visit or whenever they feel like it. Her husband obviously enjoys these visits, but the wife feels overwhelmed as they encroach on her privacy and rest time. She feels obliged to tolerate her in-laws, but secretly dreads these visits. God knows her heart and how she despairs over the visits, but does God expect her to put up with all of this simply because the husband allows it? It may look trivial, but my friend is considering a separation after years of resentment building up. Now, you may not feel personally this way or even agree with her, but I know there are countless Christian marriages out there that are exactly like this situation. And unfortunately, many men and women are being taught from Christian literature, Christian marriage books, small group studies, and devotions that all say men need to lead their family well, or they're going to answer to God, and women are to submit to him because the husband gets the final say. But is this God's view of marriage? You know, if you, if you take this belief and you run with it, what do you get? You get this idea that husbands are 100% responsible for the family. And so if the family goes broke or the kids end up skipping a meal or the house isn't that big or there's strife and conflict in the home, it's because the husband isn't doing a good job and God is going to punish him for it. And that's a lot of pressure. And you also get a wife who's supposed to follow two steps behind, to know her role, be the good Susie homemaker, don't, don't cause any waves, and, and essentially be a doormat to her husband because it's his job to lead and her job to follow. You know, she's the backup quarterback just in case the starter goes down, but otherwise you sit on the bench, you high five him after the touchdown pass, but then you just know your role and you stay quiet. Now, I know this is, of course, an extreme interpretation of what might be taught or what you might believe, but after some of my research, I don't, I don't think I'm that far off. And so again, is this what marriage is supposed to look like? Is this how God designed a husband and wife to live in relation with one another? Is this how they're supposed to reflect his love and grace and truth to the world? And I certainly hope not. Because this sounds like a terrible marriage, one that is for sure doomed to fail. And statistics show that about one in five Christian marriages end in divorce. 26% of evangelical Christians will not stay married. And maybe this is why. Maybe because the body is understanding such a beautiful passage of scripture so completely wrong that the enemy is just able to come in and tear the church apart from the inside out. And so what we're going to do, what I want to do, is I want to let God's truth reign and make the devil a liar. Now, I know Paul starts this whole section with women, but I'm going to start with the men. And this is what Paul says. Paul says that men are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Okay, so how did Christ love the church? Was it a feeling or was it an emotion? No, it was an action. Dr. Vadi Bokum says, Love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. An act of the will on behalf of the beloved. So do you know how you know that God loves you? It's because of the cross. That's the symbol of how far God was willing to go to express his love and extend his grace. So husbands, 
Your love should not just be in your words. You know, if your life was a movie, anyone should be able to stream it on demand and go to any scene and say, yeah, that man absolutely loves his wife. And furthermore, uh, Jesus's love was given regardless of reciprocity, which means men, you aren't called to love your wife if she does A and then B and then C or whatever. You are called to love your wife, full stop, all day, every day, because Jesus loved the church despite its rebellion, despite its sin. God was faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not because of their righteousness, but because of his own faithfulness. God loved and corrected Israel time and time again, out of idolatry, out of rebellion, out of religious heresy. And then when he came down and fulfilled the promise of rescue and salvation in Jesus, they killed him for it. And I think Paul saw all of this. Paul, that you know, remember the, the chief of sinners? He saw this and then he wrote in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So men, ask yourselves, would you explain love and grace the way that you are loving your wife? Would you say, be good enough so that Jesus will love you? Or if you submit to Christ first or fear God enough, then he will in turn give you his love. No, we teach that we love only because Christ first loved us. That's 1 John 4, 19. Because that's how Jesus led his church. He wasn't a leader that said, love me, respect me, fear me first, and then I'll love you back. Christ's headship was that of a servant. It was, I will lay down my life for you so that you will be transformed, restored, and cleansed by my word. He didn't come to assume dominion and be served. Matthew 20, 28 says he came to serve. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, Paul here shows us another aspect of this divine love. And this is a love that transforms the church. Uh, Solomon Ademiluka I'm butchering that name. I'm sorry. He's, he's African, so I, I can't pronounce his last name very well. Um, but he says, Christ as head and savior loves his bride in such a way as to transform her into something glorious and resplendent, serving her needs as his beloved church bride. He washes her, makes her beautiful, warms her, and nourishes her. Which tells me that husbands should love their wives so fully and deeply that it transforms them into better images of Christ. So husbands, does your love cleanse your wife? When your wife shows you her faults and her failures and her shortcomings, do you not only walk with her, but you love her and serve her with the faithfulness and fullness of the love of Christ that she is restored? Does your love protect your wife? Not just a love that you know keeps the doors locked and the guns loaded, but a love that protects her from the enemy who is continually whispering, especially in this world, that she's not enough, that she's not beautiful. Does your love protect her from listening and believing those lies? Then Paul says, love your wives as yourself. And why is that? 
And I think it has to deal with the way that God intended for men and women to be joined together in unity, dating all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, that word leave, we would better define it as abandon. So a man will abandon his mom and dad, his, his intimate and personal relationships with, with those closest to him, and then cling or hold fast to his bride. Their identity is wrapped up in one another. You know, it's no longer two people living parallel to one another, but two people acting as one, identifying as one unit. And I think Paul quotes this verse in Genesis because he's, he's emphasizing the exclusivity of such an intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. This relationship, the husband and wife, is stronger than any other relationship dynamic. And it's so beautiful. Now, again, look, look at the symbolism here. This is, this is so cool. All believers make up the unified body of Christ. And we know that Christ is the head of that body. And Christ loves, provides for, nourishes, and guides that body. So just like my body and your body is governed by our brains and our head, well, so is the church, the body, and Christ, the head. Which means, so should husbands and wives. This is why you're to love your wife as yourself. Because in loving your wife, you are loving yourself. And secondly, just as the wife and husband are supposed to be this exclusive, intimate relationship, so it is with Christ and the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Not everyone. Not everyone in the world is part of the church. So he's not the head of everyone. There are people who are not in the church who don't know of the intimacy that we share with Christ because they aren't his bride. Do you see what I'm saying? This is, this is a call for husbands to love their wives. And it's, it's so beautiful. Husbands, love your wives in a way that is reflective of Christ's love and leadership over the church. Love your wife, not just in emotion and words, but with deliberate and purposeful action. Sacrificially, selflessly, transformatively, freely, meaning without reward or threatening repercussion or anything like that. You love freely. You love protectively, intimately, deeply, with a love so great that the world will see how you care and provide and tend to your wife that they're going to glorify God and turn to him. All right, wives, you're up. Verse 22, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, here's what I think, okay? And you can email me if I'm wrong, but I think that we think Paul is using the term submission like we would use it in like the UFC. Like, um, do you remember a few years ago when Ronda Rousey, she was the girl to beat in the octagon? She was undefeated for a while, and she, like, in her first 10 wins, seven of them were by submission by armbar. And if you don't know, armbar is where you, you, know, you get your opponent in this type of hold where you can use your body in such a way as to hyperextend the elbow or the shoulder joint. And so unless you want your, your elbow to go, you, you tap, you submit. And that tap, that loss by submission says to the other fighter, I give up, you win. And even one of the definitions of submission in the dictionary is to accept or yield to a superior force or will of another person. And so when we hear Paul tell wives to submit, we hear wives that you need to tap out and tell your husband, you win, you're superior, 
you're better in everything. But Paul's definition of submission is out of love and commitment and obedience rather than from fear and compulsion. You know, when we submit to Christ as our Lord, as the church, it's a response to his love. You know, we worship Christ and obey his will for our lives because of what he did for us. Now, I'm not saying to to worship your husbands because, you know, again, worship is reserved only for the Lord, but you can kind of see the parallel. You can see the idea as your husband loves you with a Christ modeled love, your response should be one of submission to his leadership. So as your husband leads you in Christ, as he's following God's direction for the family and guiding you, your response is to walk with him and to help him. Now, some of you, that might hit you wrong because of, of unfortunately, some of your past hurts. You know, hearing that headship in the family is given to the husband by God might rub you the wrong way because of just how your dad treated your mom or how your ex-husband treated you or how your boyfriend is treating you or whatever. And I, I truly want to be sensitive to that. But again, being sensitive does not mean that I can change what scripture says. The husband is the head of the family. He has the headship. And this is God's design. You know, I, I just deliver the mail. I don't write it. But again, that headship should be modeled after Christ's servant leadership of his church. And so as the church will ideally see the love of God and respond in submission, so should a wife respond to her husband's servant leadership and follow. Now, I also want to point out that Paul says, your own husband, not every husband. Now, I think this has a lower and higher meaning. The lower or the literal meaning is that since marriage is this exclusive relationship, as a husband will abandon all others and cling to his wife, the wife will submit to the one man that she's entered that covenant relationship with. You know, you're not called to submit to your father-in-law or even your real dad anymore because he's not your leader any longer. You know, sure, your dad can give you advice and and offer to help out with stuff and, you know, carry things or whatever and fix things. Um, But your headship is given to your husband and to him only. You know, I have have a little girl. She's my little sweetie. And I don't know why I said it like that, but, but she is. She's my little sweetie. And I love her almost as much as I love my wife. It's a close second. Um, but it's my job to love her, to provide for her, to protect her, to cherish her and lead her in discipleship. It's my role right now as her dad to lead her in Christ so that she can grow into the beautiful woman of God that she's going to be. But when she meets her husband, hopefully when she's 40 and I'm too old to fight, <laughs> um, when, when she meets her husband, he's going to take over for me. And when I give her away on her wedding day, what I'm doing is I'm giving him headship over my daughter. His job is to now love her in a way that I never could. And I expect this guy, whoever he is, to love her as Christ loved the church. I expect him to lay down all he has to love my daughter well. And I expect her to submit to his leadership. And that leads to our higher story in this this symbolism. The church is not submitting to anyone or anything else. That's idolatry. You know, we worship God and him alone because as Isaiah 42, eight says, God does not share his glory with anyone. Last verse, verse 33. However, 
Let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, I'm going to say this with with the directives in Greek as opposed to English. Husbands, agapao your wives as yourself. Now, that's the love of God, the divine love. It's the same word that John uses when he says God is love. Husbands, love your wife, care for her, cherish her, provide, protect as you would, as if she were a part of you, as if she was you, because in a way she is. And then wives, phobeo, your husband, which can mean fear or to be afraid of, you know, and and when we hear fear and we we think negative, but I, I don't want you to go there. Wives are not to be afraid of their husbands or what they're going to do to them. Because 1 John 4, 18 to 19, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So we don't love God because we're afraid of what he might do. We love God because when we saw the love of God, when we understood his grace and his mercy, we ran to him and we worshiped at his feet. So I don't want you to think of a fear as a negative. Think of fear as in Psalm 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's, it's an awe, a reverence, a respect. And maybe a better word would be to venerate. Wives, venerate your husbands. Obey them. Have reverence for them as they lead you in Christ. Uh, do, you, do, you see, do you see why this passage is just so beautiful? You know how if you really understand the context of what marriage should look like and what the love between a husband and a wife should be, why that's so awe-inspiring. I mean, how, how awesome is it that God gave both men and women a part of displaying his goodness and his relationship with his church through marriage? You know, our, our marriages, when we do it right, communicate the gospel. In, in a way, it helps fulfill the Great Commission. Now, I know I've been talking for, for over 20 minutes, and, and I know I'm leaving a ton out. You might be having some questions right now. You know, how do I love a wife that is just disrespectful and dismissive to me or demeaning? Or what if I'm in an abusive relationship? Or what if there's infidelity or addiction or whatever? And again, I want to be mindful that there are circumstances that need extra attention. And unfortunately, there's, there's really no way of me to address all of those in this podcast. So if you are hearing this message and you have those types of questions, here's a few things that I would advise you to do. And the first thing is pray. I know that seems like a cop out, but it's not. God loves you and wants you safe and healthy and to have joy in this life. So talk to your father who loves you and seek his word for answers. And secondly, go talk to a pastor. Find a pastor that sees this verse as truth, meaning he's not just going to say, well, you know, you're a wife, and so you're going to have to uh, submit to your husband. God is good, and his Holy Spirit should guide you through this. So talk to a pastor who can love you through this and teach you truth through that. And thirdly, if need be, reach out for help. You know, if, if you're in an unsafe relationship, then you need to seek out safety for you and anyone else that needs it. And if you're depressed or thinking about hurting yourself or someone else, Go talk to a therapist. There is no shame whatsoever in asking for help. There is no shame in needing support. Okay, I want to tie a bow on this thing, so here's how I'm going to leave it. 
Husbands, if after you're hearing all of this, you're thinking to yourself, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell my wife that I'm the leader of the family and that she needs to submit to me because I'm in charge. If that's what you're thinking, you're missing the point. And wives, if you're, if you're listening to me and you're, you're looking for reasons or excuses not to submit to your husband, you're missing the point because you're not to read the Bible and look for exceptions for ways in which you don't have to do what it actually says. That's not how it works. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Don't assume a dictatorship in the home because that's not loving as Christ did. Again, he was a servant. He led by serving. And, and even though he was king, he ended up washing the disciples' feet. Even though he was God, he laid down his life. Even though he was scared in the Garden of Gethsemane, he did the will of the Father. And so love and serve like Jesus. And wives, submit to your husbands in everything. The Bible says that Eve was a helper to Adam. So wives, help your husband. Follow his leadership. Help him see God's direction in his life. You know, my wife is very often the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. And do you want to know why you're the helper? It's because your husband needs your help. So respect him, love him, and submit to him. Marriage is not an if-then type of relationship. You know, if you do this, then I will do that. No. It's a partnership that represents the love of God for his people. And sadly, most people only read this passage. They only read 22 to 33, and they forget that the main point that precedes this whole argument of, of the husband and wife section. You see, as I said before, biblical letters were meant to be read in their entirety so as not to read things out of context. And so when you read all of Ephesians, you see the, the overall point that Paul is trying to get across is how an identity in Christ changes how you live. You know, believers should act with integrity, with self-control, with forgiveness, speaking the truth in love, and in all things, you know, verse 1 in chapter 5, being imitators of God. And furthermore, Paul says all of your relationships, yeah, those are going to radically change because now you belong to Jesus. Christians should be servants who live a life of unity and submission to one another in light of all that he has done for us. So you know what? I'm just going to let Paul say it in his own words, starting at verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another in worship of God. That means in a marriage, husbands and wives should live a life of submission to one another, not just the wife to the husband, but also the husband to the wife, with both seeking the well-being of the other for the glory of God. You see, isn't marriage a beautiful thing? Have a great, great week. I'll see you next time.